There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 387. And today we're back with another Rut Fresh Radio-focused episode in which we are hearing from deer hunters all across the country on current deer activity, conditions, behaviors, and the tactics that are working right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. We're here for a mid-November edition of Rut Fresh Radio in which we are getting updates from across the country on deer activity, conditions, behavior, what's happening right now. And uh, Spencer, what's happening right now is that you killed a buck. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And I I can already tell there's a little bit more energy in (laughs) this intro by you, Mark, because you also killed a buck. Yeah, man. We both did it. We finally got the job done. Um, (laughs) I I can't give too many details away because uh, I'm going to share the whole story on the next episode of the podcast, the full episode. But yeah, I killed a buck. Uh, I can tell you it was on the back 40. We had uh, a great rut hunt out there, so uh, excited to share that story. And uh, while we're talking Back 40, I'll just plug it right now. The first episode of Season 2 of the Back 40 just dropped over the weekend. So go over to the Meat Eater YouTube channel, check it out. Uh, We're getting good feedback on so far. I'm really happy how things have turned out. And um, this is going to give you this episode if you watch it, we'll give you some great background as to what led to some of the success that I just recently had. So make sure you check that out before listening to our next episode of the podcast, because it'll give you some nice context. So yeah, I, I want more details on it though. Like, um, are episodes every Sunday? Is that correct? And like, when do the episodes with hunting start? That's a great point. Thank you, Spencer. You're always on top of it. Um, yes, the new episodes will be coming out every Sunday from now on through uh, the next two months or so, month and a half or so, I guess. So, yeah, this coming Sunday will be a ne- another episode, and we're going to have uh, several episodes of prep. So we've got an episode that's all about some of the new habitat work we did this summer. 
There's another episode about all the hunting preparations we did and some of the strategy behind why we're hunting, where we're hunting, how we're hunting. Uh, And then you're going to see an episode with my dad. Uh, My dad and I had a really cool hunt out there. and, And as we talked about on a previous episode of the show, he killed his first deer with archery equipment, his biggest buck ever. Then you're going to see our rut hunt after that. Um, And then one more or two more possibly later in the year. So lots to look forward to. And uh, so far it's shaping up to be a really, a really cool season. I dig it, Mark. Uh, I already loved episode one and I'm looking forward to the rest to come. Um, So thanks, man. Like what details can you share so far about the, the deer that you killed on the back 40? Well, uh, how about I'll just tell you about the deer activity on the back 40, which um, over the last week while we were out there hunting, we were dealing with that warm spell that I'm sure a lot of people across the country were dealing with. Um, and so as we discussed the you know last episode of this episode, last episode of this show, we talked about how it's probably going to slow deer movement, but the rut is still happening, right? They still have to breed. The, the show will go on. It's just maybe not going to be quite as action-packed during the middle of the day, and that's definitely what we experienced. We saw good activity the first couple hours in the morning while it's still relatively cool, but then it died down dramatically. You know, once you got to, I don't know what time it would be. It would be like 8.30, 9, 9.30, somewhere around there, it slowed down quite a bit. And then really we saw very little evening activity till the last 45 minutes to half hour. A uh, couple nights it was the last 10 minutes until we saw deer. Um, but during those little moments, you'd see flurries of chasing and, and rutting activity and all that kind of stuff. And, and eventually I did have a morning where there was there was a whole bunch of good stuff going on. So that was last week. Now yesterday no today a cold front hit so um you know i'll tell you that over the past week the deer activity in michigan with that cold front or with that warm front sorry was probably like a six right it wasn't that great except for those flurries in the morning and evening but now with the cold front i think things have really snapped and uh i might maybe i'm jumping the gun here spencer but i'm going to give you a prediction for the next seven days i think we're going to see really good activity um eight nine that kind of level because you're getting, you know, the great rut activity mixed with a great cold front. Um, it's going to unleash things at least until gun season or other things like that. Hunting pressure change stuff, which in Michigan, that's something that's happened this weekend. Yeah. You know, I think too often we think of the rut as like this light bulb thing that you turn on and off and that's not the case, but Damn it, it really feels like it this year um, with the really warm weather that we had and then the like great cold front that came through during what is normally like, you know, the maybe three or four best day stretch of the rut to begin with for the Midwest. Um, it, it felt like a light bulb moment this year for just like turning it on and, and deer movement happening across the country. Yeah, so so is that what triggered your success? Well, I had been hunting for nine or ten days in South Dakota, um, and I was unsuccessful for the first um, every day except for the last one. And what really triggered my success was picking up a rifle. Uh, turns out that makes a big difference. I was bow hunting for <laughs> yes. the the majority of that trip. Um, and then the last two days when I picked up the rifle, that was when I ended up killing a deer. Um, and, and I didn't see 
a ton of like textbook rutting activity during that period in South Dakota. Um, but what I did see, and this is ultimately what really matters, is that bucks became uh, quite visible in early in the day and late in the day. Um, you know, you, I didn't like witness the the crazy uh, knockdown drag out fight or breeding a doe um, or anything like that. But bucks had become highly visible, especially over this last three or four days um, when like the weather cooperated a little bit more. And, you know, in the, in the past, Mark, I did an article for the media.com on the best day of the whitetail rut. And I asked 10 of the best whitetail hunters I know, including yourself, like, what is your favorite day of the rut? Um, and it was seven out of 10 of them picked uh, a date between November 7th and November 10th. And so when you, you have that is like historically an amazing time with the great weather, that's why I say like this felt like that on and off switch this year. Yeah. So we, we had that, that passed now for a lot of people. Some people listening to this might, they're, the cold front on the East coast is hitting like right now. So they might be just experiencing that in the coming hours or days. But, uh, what do we have to look forward to Spencer? Um, we're coming into a new phase of the rut. Did anyone that we talked to as far as guests, um, talk about this next phase that, that some people like to refer to as the lockdown. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and who we talked to this week is Keith, is Keith Robinson from the Hunting Public in Ohio, Michael Hunsucker from Heartland Bow Hunter in Colorado, Vince Badiata in Tennessee, and then Dan Johnson in Iowa from Nine Finger Chronicles. Now, uh, Dan is the last interview that you'll hear, and I asked him uh, what his thoughts are on lockdown, and he did a great job of, of summing up my thoughts as well. But, Mark, I'd like to uh, hear you talk about lockdown a little bit or what hunters refer to as lockdown in sort of the same way that hunters refer to, you know, mid-October is the October lull. Is it more of a thing that like hunters have invented or is there some reality behind like this new phase of the rut that we're entering? Man, there's a little bit of both. Um, basically it, it's, it's a fancy name for something that, that happens to some degree, right? If, if you look at the number of does being bred or the numbers of bucks that are locked onto a doe and breeding her, that looks, if, if you were to graph that out on a line chart, you would see the shape essentially of a bell where at some point in late October or in October somewhere, you'd start seeing a few deer getting bred. And then as you get closer and closer to mid-November, more and more and more and more deer being bred. So that, that curve is rising and rising and rising. And then eventually it's going to peak. And when that number of does being bred peaks, that means there's there's more active breeding pairs of deer kind of locked down than at any other time of the year. And and any experienced deer hunter has, that has seen this will know what we're talking about when I say locked down. When a buck is with a doe and that doe is ready to breed, they don't go. They typically won't be running around all over the place doing the crazy stuff. Usually, when a buck and a doe are coupled and they're going to start to breed or are, they move very little. Oftentimes, these bucks will try to corral the doe into a little patch of cover and hunker down for a while, or they'll stand in the middle of a field and try to keep her there. Uh, many times, he'll try to keep her away from other deer, so it'll be in some weird off-the-wall place. Um, but when you get to the point in the season where the very most deer are in that kind of state, 
you're naturally just going to see a little bit less deer movement because there's some number of bucks and does that are in this quote-unquote lockdown. But uh, I think the important thing to remember is that while that is a reality, that every property, every part of the country, there will be some point in the year where there will be more bucks and does locked down than at any other point, right? We're all going to reach a peak at some point. And for most parts of the country, that happens in mid-November, give or take a few days. Um, while that is happening, you got to remember that it's not like they're all on a calendar and that when they see it's November 15th or November 14th or November 16th, all the bucks say, okay, guys, it's the lockdown. Let's all go hang out in our little patch of Russian olive and <laughs> not leave for the next two days. No. There's going to be some bucks that are locked down. There's going to be others that are going to be looking for does. There's going to be other does running around. There's still going to be stuff going on. Um, so you don't want to let your guard down or get lazy or give up on it just because somebody says, oh, it's the lockdown. It's going to be slower. Uh, no. It, you can have days during the middle of November just as crazy as November 7th. Um, you, you just got to be out there because, as you mentioned, Spencer, the rut can be on and off. It can be a light switch, but it can also be here and there. You could be in one place and it's bananas and you could be 400 yards away and it could be dead. So there, there's so many different variables that the day on the calendar, it, while it could be indicative of what you might expect and what you um, can predict a little, you still just never know. I mean, it is every day is full of potential. So my thoughts during the lockdown are Keep at it just as if it was any other time of the rut because anything is still possible at that point. Um, there are certain things you can do if you see a locked down doe and buck. Um, you kind of have a unique opportunity sometimes because those deer, if you see a buck and a doe, they're together in that kind of way and not moving a lot or that buck is not leaving that doe at all or, or she's standing there letting him breed. If you see that, you can make a few assumptions. One assumption you can make is that they're probably going to stick to the same general area for a day or two. Um, I found many times I've seen this and, and I'll see them go out one way and the next morning I see them come back the same way or close to it. So usually a buck will be with a doe for something like 24 to 48 hours, give or take. So if I see that, I all of a sudden know, okay, I need to super focus on this little zone and think what's that, what's this couple going to do? They're going to maybe stay in this little off the wall piece of cover. Or if I saw them leave a little patch of cover and go into a cornfield, I, I'm going to make a strong bet that they'll be back into that little patch of cover the next morning. So you can take advantage of that. Other things we've talked on previous podcasts about you can get creative. If you see a buck better with a doe and it's windy and you've got open terrain and a little bit of cover, you, know, you can make a spot and stock on them because they're probably not going anywhere. Um, so there's certain things once you start to learn how deer behave at this time of year, that give you extra opportunities. Uh, so the point being is that don't look at this as some kind of dead zone or this dreary part of the season. No, it can be great. Just know that it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, like you described there, it's just largely misunderstood and mid November is still a great time to be in the woods. Um, but if you're listening to this and you still want in more information on like what to do in mid-november you haven't had success yet but you're going to be in the woods this weekend and you know you want to be more prepared there's three articles on the meateater.com that i would highly suggest reading and they're all written by mark kenyon one of them is what is the whitetail lockdown it's exactly what it sounds like it talks about this misunderstood phase of the rut 
Another one is what I've learned watching deer have sex, um, which kind of touches on. What a scandalous title. <laughs> scandalous title, <laughs> but informative article. Uh, it's it's a great piece, and it talks about what you have observed, Mark, um, watching deer during this lockdown phase and how hunters can take advantage of it. And then the third one is one that you recently published, and that's how to reap a whitetail buck, uh, which is a topic that, as you talk about in the article, can be used when you witness a buck and a doe locked down together. So those are three articles I would suggest checking out at TheMeatEater.com. Those are some great recommendations, Spencer. And I'll tell you, I forgot to mention it on the podcast whenever it was that I talked about my recent hunts, Jason Tran. Um, I actually saw him, uh, when was this, I don't know, a week or two ago. He was locked on a doe, and I tried to stalk in on them. And while I wasn't able to get quite close enough, I did actually see him breeding her. Uh, so that's the second time in three years that I've seen a big mature <laughs> buck do that. Um, so I might be able to write an update to that article, uh, part two someday, because it keeps on happening. <laughs> I, it, you're an expert in the subject matter now. Um, <laughs> but I think that's enough from us, Mark. Let's get to this week's interviews. Sounds good. Thanks, Spencer. This week's interviews are presented by Trophy Ridge. Head over to TrophyRidge.com to check out their all-new for 2021 lineup of top-of-the-line releases. From T-handles to wrist releases, they have a premium option for everyone. That's TrophyRidge.com. All right, and joining us on the line first is Keith Robinson from The Hunting Public in Ohio. Now, Keith, in Ohio, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I'd say if you're in the right area, if you're in the most deer, uh, I would say it was right around a seven or an eight for us, something like that. But we also ran into spots where if we weren't running into the max amount of deer, it was like a zero in some places. So, I mean, if you're finding the right stuff, it was still seven, eight, even nine in some spots, I'd say. If you were to put a label on the phase of the rut that Ohio is currently in, what would you call it? I would say, I still want to say it's like, kind of like a peak rut type of situation it's just like obviously the conditions were so adverse for everyone in the midwest but um i think the movement was affected for for the does and for the cruising bucks in the in terms of the time of day and everything but i would say that the does are still going into their same cycles of heat on the same on the same time frame so i would say it's, it's still a peak rut type of type of rut time span however you want to say it but uh i would say with some weather change it's probably going to spike up a little bit more within these next seven days going into the later november time frame when you're doing some in-season scouting on public land during peak rut what sorts of things are you looking for Uh, stuff we were running into we were running into a lot of a lot more scrapes than rubs actually and we actually struggled to find sign we were in a pretty unique area it was a pretty low deer density area which ohio i think is pretty well known for having a pretty good deer herd um but we were in a pretty low deer population area so we were struggling to find sign that we were used to finding in a lot of the areas but we pretty much just focused on finding the the hottest sign that we could find and trying to interpret that and what that sign meant and where it's coming from, where the deer are going to be close to. And so we're running into a lot more, a lot more scrapes that seemed like we could trace these deer back to what ridge they're betting on, where the does are betting at and try to find those cruising routes, what those bucks are doing. 
pretty much working around singular ridges where the deer are getting pushed into where the where those centralized food sources are, which is mostly the red oaks, scarlet oaks, and black oaks right now, I would say. When you're looking at a new place on Onyx and you're trying to find doe bedding to hunt, what sorts of things are you looking for on that aerial imagery? Uh, the aerial imagery, I think if you go to the hybrid view, the the oaks stick out a bunch. You can you can kind of see the maple poplar, that brighter green stuff. There's a lot of that dead wood. We call it dead woods, like the maple poplar stuff where the deer aren't spending a ton of time. And uh, if you look for that darker, like the bigger tree canopy areas where you're finding the darker colored trees, you're finding a lot more of the oak stuff. And if it's lower on the slope, it's going to be more likely it's going to be red oaks and everything, which a lot of this area, at least the red oaks are still dropping very heavily right now. It's still a huge food source right now. And then higher on the slope, if you're still finding those oak canopies, they're probably going to be scarlet oak, chestnut oak, black oak. And the scarlet oak we found are still dropping a lot and the deer are still feeding pretty much on any oak stand you're going to find. There's going to be uh, those bedding within the area if, if there's enough cover, if the pressure isn't being pushed into there. But there's plenty of food sources in these big woods areas. It's just a matter of finding where they're getting pushed into because there's going to be the, the certain feed trees, those biggest, biggest producing oak trees that you're going to find. And like I said, the red oaks seem to be kind of the ones that the deer are focusing on the most. We saw, we watched deer walking into these huge red oaks and it would, you could tell it could be kind of that centralized feed tree. So it's just a matter of focusing on the best, freshest feeding sign that you can find that is far away from whatever pressure you're receiving in that area. You and your brother and everyone else from the hunting public does a lot of bow hunting from the ground. What do those setups look like in mid-November? So this last week was obviously, as everyone knows, it was very hot and uh, pretty pretty weird time to be hunting on the ground because not so much because of the heat, but just because of how dry how dry and still it was. The November first hunt that my brother Ben and I had was the perfect ground hunting ground hunting day. It was like 25 mile an hour winds, and it was so easy. You can get away with moving and everything. You can make setups. You can still hunt through the woods and everything. You can move around you can talk and pretty much everything the deer aren't going to know that you're even around but as soon as like two days after that we had that seven day stretch of like 75 degrees and two mile an hour light variable winds and you take one step in the woods and you have all those that those fresh leaves that had just fallen you're crunching through the woods and deer can hear you from four or five hundred yards away in the right scenarios so it's a uh when zach and i were hunting last week we were pretty much trying to find buck intersecting trails where they're cruising cruising along just checking doe trails running back up into uh the big oak benches on the on the centralized ridges around water and we pretty much just tried to set up on buck cruising areas and tried not to move around too much in that hot dry stuff because it's really hard to not be spooking deer but we did have some success doing that sitting those shadows pinch points those like classic rut uh setup areas and tried not moving around too much and tried doing just like calling sequences and sitting for a longer amount of time, which is tougher to do for us because it's harder to sit still for us. But I think making those setups is much more efficient when you're dealing with stuff that we were dealing with out there. It was pretty tough for us to, to do, but we did have some success doing it. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Ohio? I would anticipate pretty high, like 
I would say nine or 10, I would think this, this next seven days is probably going to be some of the hottest stuff in my opinion, just because we have, we've had that hot weather leading up to this, that hot, still consistent weather. And now, right now there's that cold front's coming in, it's raining all day and this next seven days looks like it's going to be some pretty awesome stuff. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if I'm right about that, <laughs> but I would say right around a nine, if I had to guess. All right, Keith, well, I like your optimism. Good luck to you and the guys from the hunting public. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. You too. All right. And joining us on the line next is Mike Hunsucker from Heartland Bowhunter in Colorado. Now, Mike in Colorado, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Oh, man, I'd probably have to say uh, it's been probably uh, seven, six or seven. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the the rut's cranking up and, and the deer are definitely seeking, but it's been it's been kind of knocked back by some warmer weather um, lately. And, uh, you know, so the the fortunately it cooled off um, in the evenings of the morning, you know, overnight. So the mornings have been a little more productive, uh, but the evenings have been kind of basically last, you know, 30 minutes. Uh, 30 minutes to an hour movement. You tagged an awesome buck this last weekend. Tell us about that setup and about that hunt. So, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty, pretty awesome hunt. We're hunting, um, you know, basically river bottom ground. So nothing but cottonwoods and, and that's about it. And so, uh, we actually had set up on a fence gap, um, on the edge of a, uh, ag pivot and a bunch of cover to our, to our South, uh, food to our North and, um, you know, it's one of those deals. We had been running cameras all uh, along the the levee to the river and just kind of monitoring movement, trying to see what areas bucks were using the most. Um, obviously, it's the rut, so they're not crazy patternable. But um, we got got uh, a big buck on trail camera the night before, so we decided to hang a set and uh, hunt that fence gap. And wouldn't you know it, uh, the sun started to go down. I looked over my shoulder, back behind me, kind of not where I was expecting the deer to come from. And I uh, saw a doe, she's running across the field, and I was like, okay, we've seen this before. Uh, you know, just waiting, waiting, and all of a sudden, boom, there he pops out and just worked out perfect. He was on the one side of the fence, she was on the other, and we were on the fence gap. So he came literally right right into our laps at like 10 yards, and uh, I was able to make a, make a perfect shot and watch him crash, and he didn't go probably 50, 60 yards. I know you're a big fan of decoying during pre-rut and peak rut. Tell us about those setups and how you use a decoy in mid-November. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I've been getting a ton of questions lately about decoys specifically. And, yeah, I mean, if, if the rut's going in any sort of capacity, I think it's a, a, a good, viable option. And um, I actually was utilizing the decoy quite a bit in Colorado um just because it's open terrain and that's one of my favorite places to use a decoy is where you know the odds of a buck seeing it is is high so uh, i don't like to use them in tight tight thick you know high cover dense areas um i like to use them in open areas typically in areas where you can blind call without deer you know sneaking in and getting behind you and winning you easily in mid-November, what is your ideal rut setup? Like when you go and hit the woods tonight in Missouri, what is that going to look like for you? Tonight, I'm going to be sitting over a food source um, that uh, is a, a green food plot um, surrounded by good good cover, a uh, really secluded plot. Um, there's bedding not, not too far. Um, the deer aren't really utilizing the plot that much. I mean, those, if they go there, they're getting harassed by bucks. But it's one of those areas that if a buck doesn't already have a doe, um, that he might be, you know, checking and frequenting just to see if he could pick one up. 
Have you noticed an increase or decrease in sign making over the last week? You know, I haven't um, noticed specifically, but I can imagine, um, you know, as the rut gets, you know, towards the peak they're you know, they're not going to be just frequenting those straights as much. I wouldn't think um, as they get, you know, most of them get with those and are, are kind of isolated and pull, trying to pull those away from uh, the highly concentrated areas. But, um, but I haven't specifically noticed, noticed anything, but I just know typically the time of year scrape activity starts to uh, be on the decline. As gun seasons start opening across the Midwest, what is your strategy when you're still bow hunting during a gun season? Like what sorts of setups are you doing? How is it different than when there's not that gun pressure? Yeah, deer definitely seek, uh, seek, you know, for shelter once the, the orange army gets out into the woods. And so, um, you may, uh, find better success sticking tighter to bedding areas, uh, tighter to cover areas. Uh, they're not going to be, you know, comfortable, you know, running through wide open fields and chasing deer, you know, obviously it's still the rut, so they'll still do, <laughs> they'll still do crazy things, but, um, yeah, you may have to get a little tighter to cover and, um, get in some of those spots that may be, you know, better for those all day type sits. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Colorado? Man, uh, in Colorado and pretty much anywhere across the Midwest, I think this whole cold fronts come through and boom, just flip the switch. I mean, uh, obviously the, the weather, the, the warmer weather isn't going to stop the rut from happening, but when the rut, the weather's right and it's timed with the peak of the rut, uh, it's, it's hard to beat. So we're already seeing that through, you know, cell cams and, and whatnot here in Missouri. You can just see the activity instantly picked up the, uh, yesterday as that temperature dropped and the cold front came through. So it pushed through Colorado the day before. And uh, my buddies out there are seeing great buck activity as well. And um, actually almost got another one killed uh, yesterday. So it's a, uh, couldn't think of a better time to get out there. All right, Mike, well, congrats again on the great deer. Good luck with the rest of your season. And thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right. And joining us online next is Vince Badiana from Tennessee. Now Vince in Tennessee, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Uh, lately, I would say the activity is probably right around a six, maybe a six and a half, uh, depending on where you are. Um, I've started to see a lot of uh, mature bucks start to pop up in daylight, um, somewhere around the time between, you know, anywhere between 12 to five. So I'd probably give it about a six, six and a half. For the timing of Tennessee's rut, do you think it's closer to states above you like Ohio and Kentucky or states south of you like Alabama and Georgia? I would say it's probably more for the states below me. I actually just had a conversation with another gentleman uh, about that. And what, what we've noticed is right in that last week of November into the first week of December is usually when I've typically seen the most rutting activity here in Tennessee. What are you seeing for sign making right now? Uh, the biggest thing right now that I've started to see is a lot of scrape making um and then routine checking uh, i feel like um you know i have a lot of my cameras on scrapes currently uh, and i just feel like they're hitting them non-stop and routinely checking them daily um like i said earlier you know i have getting a lot of daylight activity um starting to see some you know you see some still good rubs and stuff but for whatever reason they're they're hitting the scrapes hard so what phase of the rut would you say that most of tennessee is in right now I would say it's probably it, it it's it's getting close to the rut. I would say we're still probably in the pre-rut phase. Um, 
But like I said, once that last week in November hits, it's going to it's gonna crank up pretty hot. Do you do any calling or decoying in Tennessee? I don't do any decoying. I do do some calling, um, not so much on the rattling side. Um, you know, and it's nothing like the – like how you would be out Midwest or Iowa or anything like that. I I try to stay more towards the light side of calling a little bit. Um, I've just seen where if you try to get on too aggressive, they just, just, I don't know. It just seems like they just, they're not, they don't want to partake in the game. And if you kind of just do it a little lightly, they they're more, a little more interested. As we approach peak rut in Tennessee, what's your ideal rut setup? I do a rut setup. I'm probably going to set up mostly on the fringe of doe bedding areas. Um, and that's really the strategy is just if I, I feel like if I'm on the, the outside of doe bedding areas, there's going to be a concentration uh, of the majority of, of deer. If there's a lot of does there, the bucks are going to be there. Now, where they're going to be, you know, it's always a game during that time, but I feel like that's probably going to be the strategy that I'm going to go with. What should hunters in Tennessee be focused on as far as food sources? Food sources, uh, I would probably say if, if, if you have something that, that has a lot of acorns, you know, go, go hit with the acorns. If you have any left standing corn, you know, anything like that. Um, and then as soon as we start approaching into, you know, later in the year into December, you know, the green stuff. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Tennessee? I'm going to go ahead and give it a 7.5 to 8, and that's only because we've had that little bit of a warm spell, and I think a lot of people have. But going into this next week, it's not going to drop a lot, but it is going to be a little bit of a cooler spell. Uh, and I, I just For the time of year and the phase, I think that's, that's probably going to kick it off. So. All right, Vince, good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. All right, buddy. Thank you, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Dan Johnson from Nine Fingers Chronicles in Iowa. Now, Dan, in Iowa, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, for me, um, I tagged out before this cold front hit. So before this cold front um, hit, I would say that the act the the buck movement the activity during that warm weather period was really close to like a six i mean there was a lot of young deer on their feet they were moving around they were checking scrapes and even some big dogs coming off of their first doe were on the move but uh, most of the movement was still in that morning and evening time frame now but the the reports that i've gotten today so far after this cold front has come through that's changed that the the deer are moving they're on their feet my cell cams are blowing up and uh it looks like that really triggered a little bit more more movement so i would say probably closer to that eight that's a slammer buck you killed in iowa tell us about that setup and about that hunt yeah so you know uh my grandpa always used to say even the sun shines on a dog's ass, meaning, you know, it's okay. Everybody gets lucky once in a while. And I'll be honest with you. I got lucky. I parked my truck next to a pond and next to this pond was a big block of really thick timber. And I was on the ground walking to where I was going to hang my tree stand that night. And I noticed some antlers coming up and, uh, I shot him 
from the ground at 25 yards walking to where I was going to go. But where I was going to go was this little transition area uh, that's really thick and typically holds a lot of does before they, you know, they, they kind of bed there, but they also stage there before they head out to the big ag fields. So it was, it was just kind of downwind of a good staging or bedding area. You said your cell cams have been blowing up today. If you were to hit the woods today, November 11th, what would your ideal setup be? I'm going to where the does are, man. I'm going as tight to bedding with the best possible access as I can. Like I said, man, this cold front just came through Iowa, and it's one of those bluebird days out, and it's cold now. The deer are going to be moving. Uh, and so you find the doe groups, and that's where you find the bucks. And maybe even even some of the really unorthodox spots where maybe a, a big buck maybe has pushed a doe that they're trying to breed and uh or looking for some of these spots where some of these bucks have just came off one of their first possibly second doe and uh, they're looking for that next one to breed so i'm I'm getting as close to bedding as possible what have you seen for sign making in the last week or so yeah man that's a real good question because the sign activity from this this early this first couple of days of october and the last couple of day or the the first first couple of days of November, last couple of days of October, when the scraping really starts to increase, my my scrapes have really kind of dried up. Not necessarily all the way, but they're still you know once a deer is passing by, he's not going out of his way to lay sign anymore unless he's right there. So I'm, I'm finding the active sign near the bedding areas. We're coming into a phase of the rut that a lot of hunters identify as lockdown. Do you put any stock into the lockdown phase? Is that something that you care about when you're getting into the woods in mid-November? Yeah, dude, it's the rut. I mean, this, this lockdown phase is almost trickery to a hunter's brain. You know, it's like, well, it's lockdown, so I better stay out. It's ridiculous. Just like the October lull, the deer are there, they're doing something, and you need to get into your best stands. You need to have your access still needs to be great. You need to follow the wind direction, and you need to get into those pinch points, into those travel corridors, into those staging areas, into those bedding areas, and hunt, right? Lockdown is only good if you're hunting one specific buck, because there's a whole bunch of other bucks out there that are aren't breeding and they are looking for deer so don't worry about any type of lockdown phase as we approach peak rut do you care about food sources at all in a state like iowa i mean there's food all over so it's never really a concern i mean it's never really a, a big point of interest unless i'm doing some october 1st type hunting so the only time I really focus on food is early season and late season. Right now, again, just like broken record, man, get into the bedding areas, get into the travel corridors, those terrain features that hold deer because deer are going to come through them at some point in the day. Find the does, find what they're doing, set up almost like you're hunting does, and you're going you're gonna to find the box, man. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Iowa? So based off historical 
data from trail cameras and from my experience, it's going to slow down. But because, you know, a majority of the does by the end of next week are going to start, you know, they're going to be bred. But the big dogs, the mature bucks, the, you know, in Iowa, the four, five, six, seven-year-olds, they're going to be on their feet. And there's this time frame when there's still maybe a handful of does that are, are coming into heat where the biggest mature bucks are going to be zombies and they're going to be walking all over the place looking for that last doe before they stop running altogether. The activity level between one and 10 is probably going to go down to a five, but you're going to have your best chance of connecting on a big mature cruiser. All right, Dan, great intel. Congrats again on the book, and thanks for joining me. Absolutely, man. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Keith, Michael, Vince, and Dan for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As you heard Dan say in our last call there, don't put too much stock into the lockdown phase. Um, Mid-November is still an amazing time to be in the woods. So I hope you get a chance to get out and take advantage of it and some rut magic comes your way. For more awesome content like this, make sure you're checking out TheMeatEater.com where you're going to see articles from people like me, Mark Kenyon, Tony Peterson, Dylan Tramp, Pat Durkin, and more. And make sure you're subscribed to the Whitetail Weekly Newsletter which comes out every single Monday and has exclusive content from the Whitetail crew at Meat Eater. I'll talk to you guys next week and until then, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.